When we say that something is the law of the land, you might think of dusty old tomes with rules laid down by lawmakers in Parliament House. But for the Yunyu people, the law of the land has a deeper meaning, a connection with country that's shaped that law across generations. Reverend Dr Jinyini Gondara is a civil rights activist, a spiritual leader and a Yulnu lawman who for decades has fought for the recognition of Yulnu law. A new documentary shares his story and it illustrates the importance of the laws that guide Dr Gondara and the Yulnu people, but also the pain that's come from the federal government's refusal to respect that law. Sinem Saban is the documentary maker behind this film, and I'm going to get her to pronounce the title because I have messed it up several times already today. It's showing as part of the Darwin Festival. Sinem, welcome. Thank you, Hilary. So tell us first what the documentary is called. Uh, it's called Lukungara, The Law of the Land, and Lukungara means the deep chamber of law, like a parliamentary system of law that is actually embedded in the earth. So the bulk of the documentary is these beautiful conversations with Dr Gondra. How did you meet him and decide to share his thoughts with the world? Uh, I met Dr Gondra 16 years ago when I was making my first documentary, Our Generation, and um, I was told that I needed to interview this man, and I did, and he was quite profound. And we formed a strong friendship since then. I took him to the United Nations uh, in Geneva to meet with the UN High Commissioner of Human Rights to make a formal complaint about the Australian government. So we've we've had a lot of um, powerful times together, but also he's been a really integral part of mine and my husband and my children's life just as an elder. So 16 years I've been by his side. Well, and when you say he's been a part of your life, he really wanted to make this without government funding. What did that necessitate for you both? Yeah, so I mean, if you do get the chance to see the film, you'll understand why he didn't want to take government money. Um, But as a filmmaker, that obviously made it quite difficult for me because that eliminated film funding bodies from Screen NT and Screen Australia. But we did it 100% independently. Um, We got funding from an Aboriginal organisation, ALPA, and I've personally invested my own funds in as well to make it happen because I feel like um, the message in the film needs to be upheld um, and I'm a firm believer in having that integrity on the back end. Um, It also meant that Dr Gondara, you know, his entire life he's never had one cent taken from the government. He's never been on welfare. He's worked his entire life and he's on about to retire and he doesn't want to take the pension even, which is quite amazing. Um, so it means that he was able to just open up and just tell it straight. I think telling it straight without having to feel like, oh, you don't want to offend that funder or anything like that, that was not a problem. Well, and telling it straight, obviously not a problem for Dr. Gondra either. It was so fascinating watching the documentary and because it feels like he's guiding it as much as you are. Was it a, a collaborative effort to work out the shape of it? Um, well, I, the interviews are what formed the film. So we did about seven interviews and they often went for about three hours long. Um, so I got this an incredible amount of information and I had to get it down to 90 minutes. Um, so it felt like, I mean, yeah, I mean, he was directing me all the way. <laughs> um, and that, again, that was a part of the process of not having anyone from a film funding body kind of looking over us. 
I was always having to take the film back to Yongle as my executive producers. They were who I was answerable to and I think that that's, that's what makes it a profound film is because you can feel that it's led by Yongle um, and how it's delivered is almost a... There's a mishmash to begin with. There's all these things that I present at the beginning and you don't really know where the film's going and then all of a sudden it weaves and it comes together and that's very much like Yongle way is you don't – you've got all these – it's like a spaghetti bowl. You don't know actually how this is connected to a question that you've asked but then all of a sudden you go, ah, oh, I get that. I get it. Tell me about the the – change perhaps that your understanding went through through these 21 hours of discussions about uh, the law of the land, the importance of the land informing the law. What did he tell you about that? Well, first and foremost, um, and I'm speaking only on behalf of what I've been taught, is their law comes from Wangar, the great spirit of the universe. You might want to use the English word God for that, however you want to use it. But for Yongo, the law comes from the great law of spirit of the universe and it's passed through the ancestral beings, the Junkawoi sisters, and then it's transferred to the humans and the actual law is imprinted in the land. Um, so once I comprehended that, it, it, a lot of my preconceived ideas had to just get left at the door because the way I've always known law to be is that place down in Canberra where all these people walk around in suits and talk and make things up. Um, so that was pretty profound and I can see that um, the rhythms of nature, Yong will read the land, they read the seasons and there's laws in that um, and it's pretty profound and complicated and incredibly, incredibly sophisticated. It's interesting too how Dr Gondora talks about a different attitude to those different sets of law because periodically people's relationship to the law, uh, Yongnu's people's relationship to the law is renewed, isn't it, through ceremony and they assent to it. It's like a positive yes to the law. How does that change things? Well, I mean... Good question. So Yongo, all, all Yongo go and do a, a law ceremony every three or four years. So all Yongo are learning their law and rememorizing their law. And they all go to the sea to assent into the law and say, yes, I agree to this law. Um, just that in and of itself is an empowering um, experience for Yongo. They're filled with joy at these ceremonies. They, they want to participate. They want to be good citizens. And they want to be part of um, that greater picture of um, young Wangar's um, plan for humans. They, they want to be good people. And I guess when you compare that to, um, well, my journey of making this film, I've been thinking, well, I don't actually know my law most of the time. I don't think I've read the entire constitution. And I don't even know who the Governor-General is who is assenting to the law on behalf of me and everybody else. A huge difference. It's a huge difference. Yep. You mentioned um, God before, or, you know, we might call God what um, your new people might refer to as a creator spirit. That's a really interesting relationship that Dr Gondra has with spirituality, doesn't he? Because he started out in the Christian church. How have his beliefs evolved? Yeah, um, I'm, when I first 
met Dr. Gondra and I knew that he was a very senior lawman, but then he was also a, a reverend and a quite um, high up Christian. He was the first um, Indigenous representative of the World Council of Churches. Um, I always clashed with that. I, I couldn't understand how he could be a senior lawman and a Christian. Um, and that was, again, because I had my own preconceived ideas and experiences of Christianity. Um, but when I actually tapped into what, how he was experiencing Christianity, I actually got it because he's, he's connecting to the spirituality, um, whereas my experiences have been and other people's experiences have been with the dogma that comes with it, like the organised part of the church. And in the film he actually um, separates those two very clearly um, and, and actually identifies that the church is a, is a colonial paradigm whereas the essence in the gospel and the spirituality of Christianity has to do with humanity. And that was a, a really profound moment for me. And he illustrates that with the horrific uh, recounting of the discovery doctrine, doesn't he? Yes, the doctrine of, doctrine of discovery um, came from uh, the Catholic Church and that basically was a document you know, created hundreds of years ago to justify the murder of Indigenous people if they didn't convert to Christianity. And that was a, um, an alarming moment for Dr Gondra, realising that the church had a, a very poignant position with the murder of Indigenous people. He was completely disgraced by that. As a lot of people were to discover that element of, of history. We're speaking with Sanem Saban, whose documentary uh, speaks to several Yonu people, but in particular Dr. Gondara, who, uh, who shares his thoughts with us on the relationship between the law of the land, the law that Yonu people live and work with and assent to periodically, and the law, the Westminster system that operates uh, in this nation. What kind of relationship would Dr Gondara ideally like to see? Because he's so eloquent on the fact that the Westminster system has not been serving his people. Does he elaborate a way forward? Yeah, I mean, so most of his life he's been wanting for the two laws to sit side by side and the film illustrates how he's worked to do that. Um, and he has felt that it's just always been empty promises and lip service. So now as he's 78 years old, he's, he's actually just actually wanting to um, create a platform where two governments sit side by side and, and talk and negotiate in a neutral place. Um, he has never advocated um, for, you know, he's, he's, he's not someone who dislikes white Australia and he wants us all to leave, um, but he does want a treaty. Um, and I think there's a lot of um, paranoia out there about what treaty means. It's not about us white fellas all going back to where we came from. It's actually about, um, particularly for Yolngu Nation, is, is that they still have a governance system and to allow for them to make their own decisions for their own people. Like we make our own decisions for our own families. That's pretty much what he wants. He, he, he wants... Yongu to be accountable for their own mistakes and to be um, innovative in the in the things that they want to do for themselves which don't fit for us. He's not expecting us to change. He just wants them to be able to do what they do so that their lives are not in this chaos all the time. And I think that um, a treaty 
uh, a treaty with the Yongu nation is what he's asking for. Uh, you mentioned before how very committed Dr Gonda is to not being dependent um, and beholden to government money. And he talks about the economic systems and trading systems that operated uh, pre-settlement and in the early parts of uh, European settlement. Does he see a way forward in rebuilding some of those systems? Oh, he would love to. He So um, just for audiences, the Yongu were trading with the Macassans for over 400 years um, and they had an amazing trading system even going from Arnhem Land into central Australia. So they were traders. They weren't hunter-gatherers, nomads sleeping all day and just lying around. They were actually creating goods and trading um, and it was incredibly sophisticated. They had a pearling industry. The pearls from Arnhem Land were going all the way up to Britain. Um, so when when the government stopped that trade with the Macassans, they actually went into economic meltdown um, and then we introduced welfare. So his greatest concern now is that Yongu and other Indigenous have a, a welfare mentality, a dependency on government handouts, and he calls that. He calls his own people on that. But it's about actually creating um, independent jobs and, and, and jobs and businesses that Yongu own, not just, uh, you know, black fellas going and working for so-and-so and getting some money, actually. So they feel that pride and their joy and their dignity again. So he's been fighting really hard for that too. <laughs> well, and it, it, you can see the toll that fighting so hard for so long has had on him at various points in the film. There's a very powerful moment almost a point of rupture in the in the middle of this documentary where the intervention happens and you uh, talk about the impact on him. Tell us a little bit how, about how that affected him. Yeah, I mean, it completely destroyed... Um, well, I wouldn't say completely. It destroyed him in many ways. Um, he got incredibly depressed and ended up um, in a psychiatric hospital... He, he literally felt like he was losing his mind because he had come so far with government um, creating pathways of customary law being acknowledged alongside the Western law, particularly with um, pan punishment in, the New in Northern Territory. Um, so he was completely depressed for a long time. But he's an amazing man and he, he took that and... Um, there's something quite amazing if you get to see him or meet him. Um, he has a spirit and I do believe and I see that now that spirit kicks in and he just keeps on going and he's very ill now um, and he's coming into Darwin this weekend to be at the premiere on Monday and I can tell that spirit's actually leading him to do that because his body is very frail. We uh, didn't have an opportunity to talk with Dr Gondora and we, we respect his uh, need to take things easy. We're very excited to be able to speak with you, Sinem Saban, who's the director of the documentary that really foregrounds his voice and his ideas on a lot of really big issues that are so live and relevant today. When we think about the intervention's impacts, I mean, theoretically it finished what are the ongoing impacts on the communities that Dr Gondra is involved with? Yeah, I mean, so the intervention stripped Yongo of their local authority, it stripped them of their assets. So all of the progress that was happening on the ground towards some kind of self-management, self-government was just completely annihilated, let alone the um, horrific stereotyping of Yongo and other Indigenous. Um, 
it it set them back as i i would say back at least a long time a really long time so although those policies are so-called lifted a lot of them actually have different names now so they change the policies and they call it something else but the underlying policy is still there it's just under a new name children who were born at the time of the intervention are now 16 years old and there is anarchy but it's actually um, the implications of local people local elders not having authority over their own people it's like you as a parent being told that you can't you know discipline your children um, and that's happened on mass and there is a high crime rate but there's also an enormous suicide rate in you know a lot of these kids are doing bad things in community they're getting put in jail and then they're suiciding so it's it's actually he calls it that they were, we're in a state of anarchy now and lawlessness. And you will have heard the statistics that 90% of the prison population in the Territory is Indigenous and, uh, yeah, there's a relationship to that too. So, then, I mean, it was clear from watching the doco that there were beautiful conversations, beautiful times, a sharing of culture by the Yonu people with you and, and allowing us to see in it, but also, as we've heard today, some really challenging topics and some ongoing entrenched problems. What were the biggest things that you took away from this experience, which has taken up quite a big chunk of your life? <laughs> well, Dr Gondra has reminded me about humility, humanity, integrity. So what he's taught me is not necessarily about things that are Indigenous rights, so-called. Actually, he's taught me about um, morals and values and, and integrity. He, I see him as a, a spiritual teacher. Um, and he's taught me about freedom and what freedom means um, as a human being. And he's taught me about what the role of law is. Well, and it's quite possible this documentary will have the same effect. It's called Luku Ngara, The Law of the Land. It's screening at the Darwin Festival over the coming week, but keep an eye out for screenings near you too because I have a feeling it might go wider in the future. Sinem Saban is the documentary maker who helped bring these stories to a wider audience. She spent five years speaking with Yulnu people to make the documentary. Sinem, great to speak with you today on Life Matters. Thank you, Hilary. It's easier than ever to hear your favourite local and national ABC radio stations, live and on demand on the ABC Listen app.